0: Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott Soschnick. On this
1: weekly podcast, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. So, Scott, let's get right to it. Joining us is Bloomberg Business of Sports reporter Evan Noby-Williams. Super Bowl! It is coming. The New England Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles. By the way, the Eagles fans, okay, we need to work on their uh, rough edges. But they're good, strong fans. And the Patriots fans, obviously, are diehard fans. They're going to love the fact that there's a new Patriots streaming network coming up.
0: Yeah, if you can't get enough of the Patriots, and we know those folks in New England cannot, this is the trend these days. Give them more, more, more. Give them closer access. I mean, the players are only available to the media for a certain amount of time in Super Bowl week. You only get what you get at a podium. Usually, it's not that great. Now, if I'm the team, I can say, you know, hey, Tom Brady, Why don't you come to our studio that we're building in the Mall of America and we're going to give some behind the scenes content. We're going to give our fans more deeper, a little bit of access that they can't get anywhere else. And you know what the Patriots do so well? They're going to capture fan data. This is going to help them sell Patriots (laughs) in the future, right Evan?
2: Yeah, this is a (coughs) 24-7 Twitter news organization available on their website. YouTube channel, on their app. Uh, This is the future of how teams are going to interact with their fans. There's going to be call-in shows for just like you see on local radio. There's going to be lifestyle shows. They'll have... Patriots executives and players probably coming to the set. Uh, this is a full-on behind-the-scenes look at, at what Super Bowl week looks like for a team that that has obviously been there before and has uh, has the whole seven-day thing you're down. Ready for pat. the
0: preview? Ready, Michael? Here's the uh, behind-the-scenes, special, exclusive interview that you get with Bill Belichick. We have to score. <laughs>
1: Well, that fueled about five seconds. Well, you know, it is 24-7, but
0: I did learn something, by the way, about this uh, from a business perspective of the Super Bowl. Did you know that Under Armour has both quarterbacks? I did not know that. I knew that. You did. Oh, all right. Well, there you go, Edmund. I mean, but you knew, obviously, Tom Brady, but Nick Foles, also an Under Armour guy. So, you know,
2: that's a that's a good little nugget that the Super Bowl cleats <laughs> <you go>. <laughs> will be Under Armour. How many people out there can recognize Nick Foles without a helmet on?
1: Zero. <laughs> But but about this, uh, the network is, listen, the, the Patriots, you talk about one of the most secretive teams in the NFL. How are you going to get deep with this team when they keep everything tight? You're not going to get deep. Well, what, I mean, you say are going to get
2: deep. <laughs> not, not Patricia isn't coming on talking defensive schemes. Here's our, here's
0: our defensive playbook. This is how we're going to attack. <laughs> yeah,
1: bring that on. we will love to have that.
2: But you can go surface area and still entertain fans, still keep people kind of engaging on your platforms, keep keep coming back looking for more. I don't think you need to go X's and O's, as, but as long as you see these players with their guard down, maybe even a little bit, or even the As somebody
0: fans. who has covered, I don't know, almost 20 of these things and been to the Media Day before it became the crazy Media Day circus, let me tell you, you cannot... Give fans of these teams enough of these teams this week. You can give me the second backup long snapper and have him tell me how he prepares for the week of the Super Bowl, even though there is zero chance this guy's getting in the game and people will watch.
1: Tom Brady, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? I mean, those are the kind of questions now that you get
0: And You want to answer it?
1: Yeah, well, I think he'd be an elm. Red Maybe wood. one that's going to be bigger Good than forever. everybody else. Yeah, Redwood. <laughs> Redwood, yeah. Redwood. Go 400 years. Methuselah, <laughs> Brady. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of football, we got some more football coming.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the XFL.
1: Now, in case you didn't understand that, that was Vince McMahon <laughs> <laughs> announcing the XFL, and it looks like the resurgence is coming again.
0: I remember going to that press conference in Times Square, I do remember distinctively. I don't remember the specific numbers over here, but Wall Street didn't love the idea then. I don't know what has changed <laughs> where Vince McMahon thinks we're ready for more football now at a time when seems people are watching fewer minutes of it, of the real deal. What makes him think the world is ready for more football? I'm not sure.
2: Well, as long as we're reminiscing, I was in 6th grade when that announcement came out and I was thrilled about it. The idea of a more physical like a
0: shiny object a, distracted 6th grade Eben yeah. Novi Williams. Ooh. Jets and Giants.
2: <laughs> I grew up in North Jersey. Jets and Giants. Sure, they were the local teams, uh, but the idea of a of a new league that was maybe more physical, the kickoff strategy they had where those two guys ran the as collision There's a could. collision strategy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I was young, that was Can can you do that now? Everything
0: we know about head trauma, the NFL's going the other way. Can Vince McMahon ramp up a league on physicality now?
2: That's the question, but this definitely applies to a younger demographic, kind of the same demographic that if you look at NFL ratings, you look at interest in the game maybe waning a little bit. I think there's a chance, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm a big proponent of XFL too, but I think there is a chance that he may be able to tap into something that
1: NFL does not anymore and it only lasted though for one season in 2001 so I and miss-
0: you know what what was what had more staying power than anything else coming out of the XFL Michael Ball, you said it you miss him
1: oh I miss him wasn't it Rod he hate me he Rod, hate me Rod smart he yeah, hate me he hate so me. at least there was some legacy he hate me <laughs> uh, well good luck Vince McMahon I hope you do well bringing back the XFL let's continue our look at the big business of sports stories of the week and the big story of the week, and it is a dark one, the former doctor who used to work at Michigan State University, Larry Nasser, he has been sentenced to up to 175 years for molesting young women and girls. Some of these girls and women were part of the U.S. Olympic, or U.S. gymnasts, I should say, This is just a sickening story. It makes me angry every time I think about it. And the fallout from this is going to be uh, unbelievable.
0: Well, apparently you're not the only one that's angry. We saw the judge at sentencing was very angry. We saw during the victim statements the anger from not only the victims but family members. Also angry, those who have attached their brands to the USOC and in particular USA Gymnastics Because this is now one of those stories that goes beyond sport. And it can absolutely have a devastating effect on a company brand if I'm associated with this story.
2: Yeah, we've already seen uh, at least four companies. AT&T was the most recent, but also Kellogg, Procter & Gamble, and Under Armour distanced themselves from USA Gymnastics either by breaking their partnership or declining uh, to renew it. I can't imagine a brand is is going to jump into uh, to working with USA Gymnastics anytime soon. Uh, and the, the thing is, there's so much more that has to play out. Larry Nasser was sentenced this week. Sure, uh, there's going to be a lot more people that are going to be dragged into this, whether it's at Michigan State University, which employed him for 20 years, uh, and there are reports that folks there knew as early as the mid-90s that there were accusations against him. Uh, There's the USOC level, uh, where there are accusations that folks there either knew about it or were blind to the to the warning signs. Uh, the USA Gymnastics as an organization has lost its CEO, its chairman, its vice chair, its treasurer. The USOC is pressuring more board members to step down. We are just at the beginning, unfortunately, of the wide-ranging fallout that is going to be this Larry Nassar scandal.
1: And don't forget, the president of Michigan State University has stepped down also because... Of this, is, this is unbelievable. How about I, the I don't statement, understand. Michael. Did you read
0: the statement the when she finally stepped down? It was much like things that become politicized. Uh, so tone deaf. Who is advising every step of the way here? I wonder. Where's the grown-up in the room? Yeah. That, who is advising? Who was making any of these decisions? That I know this is hindsight. I know it's Monday morning quarterback. But I'd like to think <laughs> that at the time. You would have said, this makes no sense. This policy makes no sense.
1: Why are we doing this? You had 150-plus women and girls who came and publicly said in court in front of the judge as Larry Nasser, Nasser was being sentenced, all of the trauma that they went through—that's supposed to be what politicized. This, this is this is unbelievable. I, I just I just shake my head. And as
2: those 150 plus women came forward with their victim statements, uh, the USOC barely sent anybody to the trial at all. Michigan State, same thing.
0: Well, we're gonna bring up the Scott Blackman statement, the the CEO of the USOC, where he apologized. We should have been there. He said,
2: "Well, no kidding.
0: Of course you should have been there." So the question then becomes, why were you not there? And as the ripples from this boulder hitting the pond continue to go, if I'm a sponsor, this isn't just limited to USA Gymnastics. Do you not have to wonder if I'm a USOC sponsor right now and I'm committing tens of millions of dollars to becoming a brand alongside those rings and the colors and the Olympics, if this becomes one of these horror stories, well, it already has, but if the USOC further gets dragged into this, like somebody knew, they didn't respond, they didn't have oversight, why in the world would any corporation... Sign up to be a partner, and
2: that is going to extend. I mean, the timing's terrible here. the The Winter Olympics start uh, right. in in just a couple of weeks, um, and and Scott, as you know, as you've covered Olympics, these things are chock full of sponsors that bring an athlete that they're that they're endorsing over and, and media chats with them, those conversations are going to be dominated now, regardless of who the athlete is, regardless of what the sport is. They're going to be dominated by journalists asking, have you ever in the course of your Olympic training felt uncomfortable? Were you ever treated by a doctor that without your parents aware of it? Were you ever told you had to see a specific doctor? This is something that is going to dominate and, yeah, the Winter yeah. Olympics, and, and it's not even a Winter Olympics sport.
0: Unlike previous, let's just say, we'll let's say games, unlike previous games, Oftentimes, the organizing committee will tell the, its athletes, don't get into politics. Don't let's not talk about this. Just stick to your sport. That ain't flying anymore with these athletes. That, that no. is not going to happen. If these athletes want to address what they see as problems in their sport in the USOC, you know they're going to let it fly.
1: And never mind the, just the, the horror of what these women and girls went through. Now they are the victims, gymnastics in general as a sport. Everybody is going to suffer, and they're the victims. And they didn't do anything wrong, and their sport is is crumbling because of several fools.
2: One other sports ramification that could come through this, the NCAA uh, is looking into Michigan State and its involvement in this whole process. Uh, You can laugh and and say that the NCAA is toothless, uh, but there is definitely a chance that there is some wide-ranging ramifications and punishments going down to one of college sports' biggest athletic programs. You know, Michigan State Spartans, they're a Big Ten program. They're one of the richest. It's it's one of the biggest conferences, one of the most high-profile. File. Uh this could certainly affect other athletic endeavors, including football and basketball in Michigan State.
0: And this has reached the halls of Congress. The senators, multiple senators, have already said that they will call for an investigation into the USOC, into the USA gymnastics. Who knew? What did they do? What did they not do? So this is not going away anytime soon. And Scott Blackman has a real problem on his hands because he Even the games themselves. And in a way, it's good and bad, Evan. Now, for at least for a little while, the focus will be on the skaters, the skiers, the hockey players. You will get focus on the games and the literal games, but this is not going away. This is going to be sort of an omnipresent fog over everything these organizations do.
1: And keep in mind, Michigan State University employed Nasser. For almost two decades. That's why there is outrage on top of outrage from all of this. And we are
0: continuing with our look at the big business stories of the week. And we are headed down to South Florida. Sunshine. Famous folks like David Beckham and evan We've been hearing for a while now. Forever. forever. That David Beckham was going to own an MLS franchise in Miami. He did. He didn't. It's going to happen. It's not going to happen. Well, it seems as if it's back on again, MLS has approved the franchise, it seems it's a go.
2: I will believe it when I see it. Uh, just some some names real quick. Uh, David Beckham obviously still in. Marcelo Clare, the, the Sprint CEO, also still in. Todd Boley out. And in his place, we have uh, Masa Son, the the chairman of Sprint, one of Japan's uh, richest men, and a man that I know you've dealt with a lot recently, Scott, Jorge Mas, who was uh, one of the finalists for the uh, Miami Marlins. So if you look at the investors, uh, that's a pretty powerful uh, list of names right there. Don't know who's going to be the majority investor, who's going to be the one that makes decisions primarily, uh, but, but that is a good list and great for the MLS as well.
0: And the the get-in price. This is the bargain now. If you want an MLS team in these other expansion cities, you're paying, what, about $150 million? I, I mean, that's ballpark. David had it written into his playing contract with the Galaxy back then that he will have the right to a franchise in South Florida at $25 right. million bucks. So even if it doesn't work out, even if, the investment is far less than what anybody is going to have to take
1: on these days. Is this going to be now with Major League Soccer coming to South Florida and, and the other times and, and other uh, soccer teams uh, across America, is it finally going to happen where people embrace soccer in the United States? And I'm talking on a widespread scale. Oh, MLS does not like you, Michael Barr. Finally, I think we've seen an embrace <laughs> of soccer. I'm sorry. but that...
0: we But we've had franchises there that did not work. Miami is a difficult market, as you know. There's lots to do. There's lots of reasons to be outside at the beach. You better give people a reason to come to your event. And Derek Jeter is learning that lesson right now, that it's not so easy. What Mickey Arison, the CEO of Carnival Cruise Lines, and now he's chairman, what he knew when he bought the heat is, I need to make this an event. I need a reason for people to come and hang out inside my building in downtown Miami. You know what the first reason was he gave them? Shaquille O'Neal. You know what the second reason he gave them? LeBron James. By having the biggest stars in the game on his team, that became the place to be. Now, does it work for David Beckham, who's not going to be on the field? Yeah, David Beckham's a huge star. A lot of connections, a lot of famous friends. That's great. But do you want to go see a soccer team play?
2: Don Garber, MLS commissioner, has called this Miami franchise, uh, quote, the strategic gateway to South America. Uh, So there's no question that From an MLS perspective, you see the the Spanish speaking populations in South Florida, obviously, the tremendous popularity in. Uh, South America for soccer. Uh, And this is possibly an entree into a growth market if you're MLS. They're trying to grow the league everywhere, obviously, but if they look at Mexico, if they look at Brazil and Argentina, uh, those are countries in the same time zone as MLS games. Um, They're MLS teams that are roughly on par with the best club teams in those countries. Uh, That is a growth area that MLS really wants to get at. Uh, And putting a team in South Florida Uh, is clearly what they think kind of the next step to doing that. Scott's right. The Miami Fusion played in MLS from three years, from 98 to 2001, uh, and they folded because the attendance wasn't there. Uh, MLS is in a different place now than it was at the turn of the millennium, no question about that. Uh, And and we'll see how much that different place uh, leads to a different result here in Miami.
0: Soccer doing very well in Atlanta. Where you can buy a two dollar hot dog, how's that for a segue? What <laughs> I think? The prices in Atlanta, we always wondered when they announced it, when Arthur Blank announced this neighborhood pricing at Mercedes Benz Stadium, it's like two bucks for a hot dog, two dollars for a bottomless soda, sort of, you know, what you would pay if you were outside the stadium. Is this gonna work? How's it gonna work out? I think we now know.
1: But how is it that concession prices can go down and then the revenue goes up? Eben? Yeah, so the, the Falcons cut prices by
2: about 50% uh, last year in their in their new stadium. Uh, so you're talking $2 hot dogs, $2 sodas, $3 pretzels, etc. Uh, and, and their theory was that lower prices would just lead people to, to buy more. They would come to games earlier. Uh, they would maybe stay longer, uh, and they would buy more. That's largely played out. They released numbers this week. Uh, they've sold 50% more food. Fan Spending per fan is up 16%. Uh, it's unclear if they're making money on this, but there is no question that their fans are happier. The NFL does surveys of, of fans of every, every stadium around the country. Uh, Atlanta placed number one overall. In terms of fan satisfaction for food and beverage, they were 18th last year, and that's a huge jump.
0: If I can take my kid to a game and only have to whip out a $20 bill and that's it, I'm pretty satisfied. <laughs> yeah, <and> I'll, I'll, <laughs> you know? I'll give
2: you one more metric. Uh, merchandise jumped 88% in terms of sales. Uh, so there's certainly an argument there that, that if Scott can bring a $20 bill and feed his kid, hey, if the kid wants a hat... Yeah, maybe that's Good. in the budget now when it when it wouldn't have been when when his chicken tenders were $9. All
0: right, well, still ahead, if I've got an extra couple bucks in my pocket, maybe I can gamble on the next NFL game. <laughs> NFL wagering, the NBA had told New York State what it wants with sports betting.
1: You bet. See what I did there? Let's continue our look at the big business of sports stories of the week, and let's talk about one of my favorite food groups, gambling. And sports and gambling, they're going to come together if the U.S. Supreme Court has an agreeable ruling in this.
0: Well, the interesting part about this from where Evan and I sit is that everybody's just getting ready for it. It's watching the ramp up to it. It's not an if. These companies aren't saying if, if, if. They're saying when, when, when. How am I best positioned? One of those companies, you, you wonder, hey, where does like, the telcos fit in here? Where does Verizon fit in? Eben knows exactly where they fit.
2: Yeah, we reported this week that Verizon, uh, which had just bought Yahoo and AOL last, last year, uh, they are looking into possibly offering a sports gambling product. Uh, they are obviously not alone. I would imagine that almost every media and telecom company, in addition to to, to gambling companies, are at least looking at this right now. Uh, What makes Verizon interesting uh, from this perspective is a few things. One, uh, since they bought Yahoo, they have a DFS daily fantasy product, and they have decades of of client information from their very popular season-long fantasy product.
0: In the business, we call that data and scale. Data and scale. (laughs) Uh,
2: Number two, they have the largest uh, wireless network in the country, Verizon does, uh, and and mobile betting is the future. Uh, That is where all this stuff is going to take place in in, in four or five years. And then the third thing, and maybe most importantly, as we've discussed on the podcast before, they have live rights to the NBA and NFL. And if you go to London, if you're betting mobily in London, uh, there is an English Premier League soccer game live sitting next to all the live odds that you see. you know, When will the next goal be scored? Will there be a corner in the next five minutes, etc.? That's the holy grail. That's the way that you really capture an audience is by having a game live that they're watching and let you bet on that game live on the same screen. And Verizon theoretically has that capability.
1: Now, I'm sure some people turned up their nose when I said, hey, I like gambling. But let's face it, folks. A couple of bucks... Who do you like, the New England Patriots or the Philadelphia Eagles? You're going to see those kind of bets all over the place. So now let's just make it legal.
0: I think the noses went up with, with the I'm Michael Barr. No, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have to get. You not have to get all the way to the gambling no. part. Hardy
1: har har. Yeah, you know, this
0: is. We've had this shift in attitude. That's what the commissioners usually say. Well, David Stern, you say no, no, no. You know, we're not ready for gambling. Let's face it. You know, when all this changes, this is not about sort of cultural mores. This is about. How much money is in it for us? Once you get to a certain level, and I think we've talked about this with the jersey patches in the NBA, mm-hmm. it was always, wow, the jersey space is sacred. Our, our space is sacred. No, it's not. That's just what they said publicly. You know why they chose to do it, Michael? Because now there was enough money for them to do it. And that's what's going on with sports betting. There's so much money to be made. Let me see. Um, if I'm the NBA, maybe if I do a quick backup napkin, what do you think? I've been 1%? <laughs> you know, you think, I mean, that's what they said, right?
2: Yeah, the NBA in front of uh, the New York State Senate uh, this week announced kind of what their plan for what their ideal gambling law would look like. The NBA wants it to be a federal law, and they want 1% of every bet uh, made on the NBA to be kicked back to them as a quote-unquote integrity fee. Uh, and there was as I'm sure you can imagine, some pretty, pretty harsh uh, reaction to this among folks in the gambling world. As you know, Michael, margins are not incredibly high for uh, for sportsbooks. These people are not rolling in the cash on margins. Uh, and, and having to give 1% of all bets, that's handled, that's not revenue. Uh, that's a huge number. That can be as much as 20% of actual revenue. Uh, and they will not give that up without a huge fight.
1: And for those who aren't heathens like I am, there's a thing called the VIG, which is a certain percentage that casinos take when a bet is made. Let's say, for instance, it's a, a 10% VIG. 10% of the money that's taken in is is not going to be paid back out because the casino takes that in. So you add that 1%, that's another part of the VIG. So for people who don't understand sports betting,
0: maybe this is a good opportunity to let them know that's why the betting lines go up and down. All the house wants is for equal amounts to be bet on each side. That way they're guaranteed the profit of the VIG. They'll take the 10%. That's why the lines go up and down to encourage bets. In the direction they need. Sure. sure.
2: But the truth is that they're not keeping ten percent. You know, the taxes are high. You know, there's a nine and a half percent tax on their revenue. There's excise taxes that are much smaller but are still prevalent. You know, the the whole percentage in Vegas right now for sports betting is about is between five and six percent. That means for every $100 that's bet in Vegas, the casinos are keeping between $5 and $6. Uh, If the NBA wants to take 1% off the the top of that, that's at least $1 that's not going to the casinos that would have. Uh, That's a huge, huge, huge number. Um, And what we're seeing right now, this is kind of the first salvo, but as this conversation starts to continue, there's going to be some head-to-head, headbutting between the leagues and the gambling industry. Right now, they're kind of working together to get the thing legalized. Now that, as Scott said, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Now we're seeing the next iteration of that argument. And it's these two sides that we're working together are now going to start working against each other.
0: And we're also getting those owners who are signing up for the ancillary businesses. Let's not forget Mark Cubid, Ted Leonsis, Michael Jordan, investors in Sport Radar. That company delivers gambling data and part owned by the NFL, by the way, to all the betting houses around the world. So they all know there's other ways, there's ancillary ways to make money on legalized sports betting in this market. It just doesn't have to be how much do we get what's bet on our games. And they're already there.
2: Yeah. And we could talk about, I mean, there's three different layers really of how leagues are going to make money on this. One is that general interest in, in league games will go up if gambling is legalized. You know, your late March NBA games between two bad teams that no one would usually care about. If you have money on the game, you might watch it. You How know, great you would might, the, you the Falcons care game? More about Remember,
0: it was, if the spread was five and a half, and yeah. then when they scored the late touchdown, it was five. You have reason exactly. to keep watching. You bet the over, the under. There's reasons to watch.
2: So you get money by virtue of your product being a little more enticing. That, that's layer one. Layer two, you can sign partnerships with, with gambling houses. That can include sponsorships. Ads on the side of your court, or it could just be a the official William Hill, the official sports book of the NBA. You know, that is tremendously valuable. And gambling companies, as we see in European soccer, will pay a lot of money to have their brand directly associated with your league or your team. And then the third layer is what the NBA is going after right now, which is just a direct cut of all the action that they garner. Uh, and that will be the hardest one to you get.
0: Know what we didn't talk about, by the way, also live betting and mobile. Hmm. We, we have oh, not that's, horizon. That's
1: yeah. once that, that happens and everything goes now online, it, you think it's it's big now. Yeah, you want to make golf
0: cool, Michael. You, can you see a bunch of high school, I'll say kids because we're of a certain age, go into the like they don't want to go to golf courses and watch 18 holes, but imagine if you could plant yourself at the turn and with every stroke of co- the algorithms are spinning and they're kicking out different odds on whether the guy or the woman is going to get a par on the hole, or a bogey, a double, who's going to be the top American finisher. You can bet on anything in real time faster than you can order an Uber on your phone. That is really going to drive engagement. It's going to make it cool to the younger set that's got their mobile phone attached to them everywhere they go. This is a real opportunity for pro sports.
1: NBA Senior Vice President Dan Spillane he said this. He said, without our games and fans, there could be no sports betting. Hold on.
0: I'm not buying it. No, no. I, I'm going <laughs> to no. let you guys do it because I, I, my phone will ring in two minutes I, if
1: uh, if I make the statement. I'm sorry. It, it, listen, I, and I want to see the NBA do well, just like all the other pro sports. Gambling's been going on for many years, and it, now, is, now that it's going to be legalized across the nation, or it looks like, we don't know yet, Now all of a sudden it's like, hey, we want a piece of the action. Well, Vegas has had this going on for years. So why now all of a sudden all these pro sports teams want a piece of the action?
2: And the data disputes what Dan Spillane said. I mean, if you 2011 there was an NBA lockout, missed 30 games, there was no dip in overall gambling in Vegas. The money that was probably going to be bet on the NBA was just bet elsewhere. You know, maybe it's, it's like an economic impact exa- study. You know, if the games aren't played, <laughs> exactly like a new stadium, like yeah, sure.
0: they'll find something else to do. Maybe it may be a movie theater, a bowling alley. They may not go to the sports game, but the money's spent somewhere. Exactly. Also, and you and I, you and I talk about this at the desk, Evan. There are things, and this is not my world, but the people who know this tell me there are bets on virtual events now. Like, there is a a betting window on virtual tennis. This is a computer-generated random tennis match. Not real people that folks bet on. So maybe I don't need your
1: games. People will find something to bet on. By the way, i got to bring this up. A super mega celebrity has placed a multi-million dollar bet on the Eagles over the New England Patriots. This is like the secret square on Hollywood Squares. Is Which star Bay, is it?
0: Yeah, I, I see the guys, all the Vegas guys, are. they have what? They have a name for this guy. Like, he's known. It's the super secret Super Bowl guy, I, whatever. Uh, I, I always just default to, wait, what's Floyd Mayweather doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a Mayweather. Yeah, game, that yeah. sounds like, well, I think Floyd does it where he makes a big bet to move the line a half, a half a point, then he makes the real big bet that he wants. And he only tweets the ones he wins. Only the winning tickets. Well, that makes sense.
1: My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since i a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because we of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. And gentlemen, the number is 16 million.
0: 16 million, Evan
2: idea the amount that florida has raised to pay derek jeter not to own the team anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well we didn't get into that but
0: we should <laughs> what do you got michael Ball? that
1: is the race that is involved for the purse for the pegasus world cup invitational at Gulfstream park that is one of the richest races around that's a lot of coin which makes me think about the future of horse racing and where it's going
0: I would have thought if I was if I was asked about a the richest horse race I would think Dubai I would think UAE I would not think Florida.
2: Well, these horses are probably coming in from UAE and Dubai.
0: But I still think they would host it there. Like the, the event would take place there. But I guess not.
2: For all the esports fans out there, the the highest purse esports tournament uh, is over 20 million. So eSports has eclipsed uh, horse racing at the uh, top level in terms of payouts for competitions.
1: Yeah, these horses, they, they don't have any flies running around their heads. These, they, these are like some multi-million dollar horses coming in. So, You've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. I'm Michael Barr.
2: And I'm Eben Novi williams We're here each and every week at the same time exploring the world of money and sports. And
0: I'm Scott Soschnick. Next week, just in time for the Super Bowl, we'll chat with Jessica Gelman, the CEO of the Craft Analytics Group.
1: You've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes.